Dun 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 I know why I wanted a cigarette now. I've been craving a cigarette all week. And it's because of Snowpiercer. So, you know, like they're they smoke the last cigarette at the very end. Last cigarette in the world. My God, it looks so good when he was smoking that cigarette. I was like, oh, and then I got kind of pissed off because that's when he did his monologue and he didn't oh. smoke it. <laughs> it. Just He just let it let it go into this huge like ash that sat on the end of the cigarette. And I was like <laughs> yelling at the screen. I'm like, dude, that's the last fucking cigarette. Smoke that bitch. Like, what are you doing? And uh, what the fuck? yeah, but they made it look so good. So I was like, yeah, yeah. I've been wanting a cigarette all week and I wondered why. That's why. <laughs> well, what's going on, guys? Welcome once again back to Uncovered Cinema. I'm Brian over here in LA. I'm Will in Orlando, Florida. What? Is it still sunny? Is it sunny at nighttime over there even? Like, is it supposed to be the sunny state? You know, it's sunny 24 hours a day. I'm pretty sure you can get a sunburn at midnight. Yeah, that's what I Just think. saying. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, right now we are... Uh, it's starting to rain a little bit. I have, cr- I'm, I'm, I'm a white boy. I peel so much <laughs> when I get burned and I am peeling all over my arms and the back of my neck because of the feature I'm working right now. I got just crazy burnt while working on the, um, baseball diamond. It was insane. Oh, so you're, I, I presumed that you were like, you're a light guy. So I thought you'd be working in mm-hmm. like a studio or something. But oh, no, no it's man, I guess you need a light yeah. outside too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like uh, we have, um, we're working a children movie right now. Really can't talk about it too much. Of course not. Um, but it's a children's movie about baseball. It's really cool. It's really good. Um, and we have to work outside uh, mainly. I think there's only a handful of scenes that even took place inside. So the whole movie's really been outside and trying to deal with the sun and getting that to you know diffusing the sun the yeah, biggest yeah. you know light ever uh so that the camera picks up like the perfect image off the actors and uh doing so requires me to be out in the sun a lot and the first day i was stupid very very stupid you don't wear one of those <laughs> big sun hats like like women wear Dude, when they're in the garden i sat on it oh I, well, that's not I had a straw hat. It was the best hat ever. And I didn't realize it was under my jacket. And I sat down on my chair, crushed it. And I'm like, well, yep. Safe to say happened. your ass isn't sunburned. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, luckily. Yeah. Luckily, luckily my ass isn't. But uh, yeah, wear sunscreen. That is um, very, very important. And something I did not do. Do you think you can get a sunburn from the lights themselves? Like if you have a strong enough fresnel or something, oh, sure. like cook you? Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. People get sunburns. Um, they get burns from HMIs. Just standing in front of the HMIs when they're strong enough. Six K, ten K, eighteen K, whatever it is. Stand in front of it long enough, you're going to get burnt. Yeah, because that is for sure. Those lights, they're bright enough to emulate the sun in certain. Mm-hmm. And so. When you are filming in the sun, though, is it the deal where they kind of like have to wait for like the rights? Because you obviously want some continuity in your shots, so the sun has to be yeah. like pointing in a certain direction. Is that kind of what they're doing as well, or do you just emulate well, that with lights? That is the grips department to make sure that the sun looks like specifically the sun if you don't put any other lights out there you're not using reflectors for anything if you're just diffusing the sun to get to look the same in every shot whether they have to add diffusion or remove diffusion or if they have to put um uh flags up or whatever they have to do so that every shot looks relatively the same sometimes when we've been shooting all day and it's getting into the nighttime and the sun has made its arc already we'll have to put up some hmis to be able to emulate what the sun was doing earlier in the day if we need to get a pickup shot that we didn't get at that time or if this whole day takes place in like let's say a one hour baseball yeah. game right yeah. so you need or however long baseball games is i, I work in film i don't watch <laughs> food sports sport ball yay <laughs> but you have to be able to um we have to be able to mimic the sun if need be and a good option for that is hmis 
hmm. and which are absolutely beautiful. Have you seen Scary Movie? Because I was just rewatching like the second Scary Movie from like oh God, it must have it came out two thousand one. Yeah, I remember now. Scary and, Movie two. Yeah, and uh, I was kind of like tripping because like I was like I don't know they they it's supposed to be like horror movie esque, but then everything all the shots were highlighting like uh i believe what you call like highlights or high lighting mm -hmm. where every, it's very you know even everything's very bright and the reason i, I yeah. realized that they were doing that is because uh it, at its core it's a comedy so yep. and that's comedy the way that they're lighting. selling that comedy is by doing the high lighting when traditionally if you're doing like a horror movie you do it in like a low lighting situation because that's yeah. going to make it more contrapasta yeah yeah and uh so I, I, I was really distracting though, watching everything in really bright lighting because it was almost, it almost looked amateur. But then mm -hmm. I looked up online and it was like, it had like a $45 million budget. So it was a huge budget yep. and it was professionally lit, even though there's some continuity errors in lighting. Like if they move from one shot to the next and the lightings are on opposite sides of your face because you can tell they, they, re they moved them around in between the shots. But yep. uh, yeah, really good movie though. I, we need something like in, in our contemporary time of uh, uh like like that you know just getting a, a mm -hmm. you know what happened in the days of just getting a whole bunch of comedians together and just say like just see what you can do like you got to follow the rules of like you being stuck in a haunted house but just have fun with it you know man if we put comedians together in today's day and age that movie would not be pc mm -mm. <laughs> no nor was no. it back then either that <laughs> that movie would be picketed by every dang yeah. group out there that's looking <laughs> to shut stuff down just for any dang reason. That movie would not survive. I, I kind of thought I could wing it with my kids because I was like, you know, this is like 2000 comedy. It's it's early mm -hmm. 2000 comedy. So it's it's kind of, you know, it's not that big of a deal for comedy nowadays. But yeah. uh, I made it probably two minutes into the movie where they did like the the mock exorcist. And, she, mm -hmm. you know, she started, like, fucking herself with the cross. And then I was like, <laughs> okay, it's, that's obviously not appropriate for kids. So, let's get It's like, well, here. there goes my kids. <laughs> and then, of course, there's, like, that, you know, the, the famous scene of where they're stuck in, like, uh, a cooler or something. And so, she has sex with the guy and he, like, he blasts her off and all the gum gets splashed on the, on the window. Uh, it's hilarious. And then, yeah, the, 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 oh the my shit God, when they do bird. that. Yeah, when they do the... Um, the black light over the guy's face oh, yeah. and he has like cum yeah, marks all he, over his he's giving face. himself a blowjob. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We don't have comedy oh, like that anymore. God, I know it's smart comedy, great. but at certain times you can't help but just chuckle because it's like, this is so stupid. It's like, why would, why would a bird have diarrhea? That's like blowing up the back of the wall. <laughs> <laughs> it's comedy that you can just watch without like having to think about yeah. it. You just watch it exactly. and laugh. That's the yeah. best. You don't want to think like when you're watching it. That's the whole point of watching movies is just to get away from life for a moment. Mm -hmm. And yeah, um, speaking of that movie, you know, um, the comedy lighting is actually a lot harder to do than you realize. Like, for instance, people uh, think that like, oh, I'll just I'll just do comedy lighting. I'll make everything, you know, the same. And no, it's not. If you look at the characters, the characters um, traditionally have like flat lighting across their face. But if you look at the background, yeah, the background shows where the lighting really is, and they take a lot of um, a lot of creative control over what hits the background and what doesn't. Because most directors are like, oh, I want my you know my comedians fully you know fully lit and whatnot, like they are on stage, so people can fully see them and see how their facial expressions are, what they're doing, yeah. and like things like that or any crazy makeup they have on and stuff like that. But then you look at the background, the background is actually really well lit and a lot of amateur gaffers and um, lighting technicians, they try to emulate that and they fuck it up bad because what they do is they make everything flat background, right. foreground, actor, everything. And you have no flat. character you separation can't. between the background. Exactly. That's, you have no character okay. separation. You have no way to give emotion into a scene that calls for a flat lighting. Yeah. Like that's key, man. To be a good line technician, you have to be able to find how to put emotion into a scene that you typically cannot because of the lighting scheme. Yeah. And, and plus you have to leave room for the comedian to 
explore and and experiment yeah, with thing. their character and do you know create that opportunity for them to be funny because it's not yep. always from paper you know you may write something but there's every comedian has their own style and something that's unique that it's hard yep. to capture on paper uh, I, I guess it could be well I'm, now i'm thinking of like you know the what do you call it uh what do you call it when you let somebody just do their own thing <laughs> Fuck me. uh leadership <laughs> <laughs> Well, now, now I'm thinking um, about like from Joker when they let them just kind of like ad lib for a moment. Oh, 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 improv. Yeah, improv. And uh, you know, there was a lot of like for I'm I'm impressed in that moment. You know, when he jumps inside the refrigerator, that they actually had you know things in the refrigerator that was actually mm-hmm. stocked because that wasn't yeah. planned and, and that was like a one take that he did, and they kept it. You know, so. Mm-hmm. I, I was like impressed that they even had like shit in there and then you can even see he's like struggling trying to get one of the things out but it doesn't come out so it's like it's one of those you know hardest fuck things to remove out of the refrigerator because it's made to not fall in an earthquake and stuff so he just said fuck yeah. it and crawled underneath it so and I'm sure mm-hmm. the the vegetable boxes were still in there he just kind of jumped on top of those too but yeah I bet you the set dresser was like yeah. oh my god what is he doing yeah. there was a you probably <laughs> like, heard him from the I'm back so thank god bad. i put bread in the fridge yeah something to throw <laughs> yeah dude it's it's crazy see one thing that i always always tell new electrics specifically i'm i'm electric guy i don't really work i work with the grips obviously grip and electric is very close together we usually use the same truck unless depending on your like, a big production or whatnot we're very close but whenever I'm like training new electrics or guys that have never been on set before, one thing I always tell them is that the film cannot go forward without lighting. Yeah. Very, very electric is one of the most important departments in a production. It is. Because it's the only way that camera is going to be able to get power. It's the only way that um, the actor is going to be able to be seen. Yep. Only way we're going to be able to put light into it. But lighting is only there to make the production better. To make the actors look better, yeah. to make the set really come alive, and to really grab that emotion and pull it out of the audience that the director and the DP are trying to get. Yeah. That's what Leiden is there for. One, it's one of the most important, but two, it's really only there to make everything better. And I would add to that, I think uh, lighting is one of the most important things in a movie because it's what makes a movie cinematic it's what mm-hmm. it, it tells the story of your character because the the way that they're they're lit and it show and it conveys that feeling and emotion that the character mm-hmm. is trying to emote but uh, as a number two i think most important would be your audio as well because you can oh, get away absolutely. with a shitty camera you can film something mm-hmm. on an iphone but if you don't have good audio it's unbearable to listen to and uh so lighting and audio would be your I think you're number one and number two most important. Things. Absolutely. Absolutely. Without good audio, you're, you're done. If you don't have a boom op worth his weight in gold, then your people aren't going to sound good. Even if you have wireless lobs, they don't get everything yeah. all the time. Sometimes they mess up. What if they mess up and you have a really shitty boom op? Yeah. And you ever like, it's then the worst ADR and that's money. That's all you're using is a lab mic and your actor comes in and does, <laughs> just oh, moves their shirt around <laughs> something it's just spent you don't have anything you're you're basically done yeah adrs where or like comes in. if you have an actor like leonardo dicaprio that loves to bang his chest like yeah you know that's all you're gonna hear the whole time you don't tell me what my mama says i have to do that is her job to tell me and I would imagine that even then with a boom mic, they still probably go back and have to do ADR because mm-hmm. the boom on his chest is probably louder than him talking and that <laughs> cuts out, you know, it needs to be on a separate track. It needs to be a Foley yeah. type deal instead of like a, uh, something that was recorded in the moment. Okay. Well, of course, today we are talking about Snowpiercer. Amazing movie. Ooh. Right now we're trying to cover some awesome movies Fantastic. on Netflix. And yes, this baby is available for your Netflix enjoyment. And I'm telling you, it may look weird. Give her a shot. It is a fucking amazing movie. And you know what? We covered Parasite in, uh, I think, what was our last episode. And yeah, uh, something like that. We're seeing this director back once again. This is him building up to this. This is before he did Parasite. And wait, uh, wait, 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 wait. Hold the fuck up. 
This was by the same dude that did Parasite? Yeah, Bong Jong Ho. Seriously? Bong Jong Ho. Oh. <laughs> yeah, Parasite <laughs> dude, director. I, I watched this movie so long ago, I had no idea it was even by the same guy. Yeah. That's yeah. amazing. Oh. <laughs> so this is like and you know, you even see some of the same themes that he likes to play with is this is that mm. that displacement of uh economic socioeconomic wealth and mm-hmm. and uh, separate segregation of social class well in this yeah, movie right. it's more apparent because the social class is separated by train car train mm. car can you call it train car or is it box car i think it's a train train cars i think i think it's train cars each individual i don't cart. know this isn't the uh this isn't the you know 40s <laughs> 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 okay yeah each individual train car train cart cart jesus we are it's gonna be a long episode <laughs> each one is separated by social class and it starts you know from the very back being the poorest of the poor and basically the the people that mm-hmm. well, okay maybe we should synopsis here basically this this movie takes place of this train that is continually moving and the train is called the Snowpiercer, which is the name of the movie, because of its, its ability to punch through Pierce the snow, snow on the tracks. But mm-hmm. the creator of this train has made it so that the track goes all the way around the world. And it takes one full year to go around the world, basically, on the train. And we're in this apocalyptic time where uh, it, it's not zombies. It's not... Uh, nuclear fallout it's just basically global warming that has taken over and the way that they Mm -hmm. tried to combat it was shooting this thing in the air that made everything cold but it it took over and made it way too cold and so everything kind of froze over and the whole world people just died running to train like running to safety and froze in the middle of their tracks so now we have 17 years later they're riding on this train Mm mm-hmm and I'm, I presume, like, the train's probably, like, nuclear, nuclear power probably or nuclear something. Power or yeah, something so like that, that it can continue running. And that's probably, I presume that's they never one of the reasons it that can't part. stop. <laughs> so it might blow up, yeah. you know? Yeah, they never do explain that part. No, yeah, but we do kind of get a peek in the engine room, but it's mm-hmm. uh, interesting. Yeah, so they, they have this train that's constantly moving, and... In each car, it's it's separated, and so the mm-hmm. very ba- the last caboose—that's the word I'm trying to use. Caboose. Caboose. Yeah. Although <laughs> I'm gonna be hard pressed to get through caboose without making a butt joke. So <laughs> <laughs> the butt of the joke, which <laughs> and the butt of the train <laughs> is where we start <laughs> in the caboose, and uh, the these are the people the that caboose. just jumped on for free last moment before everything froze. So they're basically, you know, hitchhiking a red. It's very similar to like a hobo on a train, you know, and they they get treated with that kind of lack of respect, rather. And I believe Chris Evans is the main character in this movie. Yes, he is. Yeah. Captain America. Captain himself. And he plays. He pretty much is Captain. He's Captain World in this movie. Captain America. I don't know. He basically plays his character in Marvel. But mm-hmm. we have think of Captain America as Captain World without powers. Yeah, boom on a train. This guy that can't stop. <laughs> yes, this guy. That's what you're. Whatever you're thinking of right now, that's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> so you may be wondering, though. Okay, great. We have a train that's moving and everybody's dead outside. Why? Where? Who's the bad guy in this film? Like, there's no zombies, so there's no. What's the thrill, right? So. The bad guys are basically the people on the front of the train, the richest of the rich, mm-hmm. the ones that paid their price to get on this train, who feel more entitled. Yeah. And they send information back to the back of the train. And I don't know, there seems like, there seems to be this, um, some, I don't know, they, the, there's this moment. They, they made social structures yeah. in a society like social structures in society in a society less in a contained environment like, really yeah exactly it's it's really weird how they did it um but it really makes you think of what people are going to do or would do in a scenario 
as that. They're going to try, just like we have in the past, to do to separate people and to make others feel more important than yeah. other people. And to take advantage and to yeah. basically humans grow humans. In, their, in their societal place. And all this is happening in this closed environment on this train. Mm -hmm. And what, what I find, what I think is, uh, what can, <laughs> I need a thesaurus, Jesus Christ. <laughs> I think it would be worse. <laughs> what I like is that there's this obligation for the rich to take care of the poor in the back. You know, they talk about yeah. like how, I don't know, it, it's weird because I'm trying to make sense of the impact and, and the underlining meanings of this film still a few days after seeing it. Very great film. I mean, definitely should see it. Even though I'm spoiling some of it. I'm, well, I'm not really. I'm just giving you the symbolic yeah. meanings. I mean, the the movie came out in 2012. So if you haven't seen it, or 2013, if you haven't seen it. I never heard about it until uh, last week. So <laughs> Yeah, it's a, it's a great movie, guys. If you're planning on watching it, I highly suggest watching it. Because we haven't really gotten into any spoilers yet, but we're about to. So I yeah. highly suggest watching it first, then coming back and listening to us because you know you love us anyways. But um, <laughs> And even then, though, I think you could still listen to it. And we're only going to build context because this this movie is yeah. going to... There's a lot of symbols, symbolism behind it. And uh, we're yeah. just trying to needle it out, basically. But what, yeah, what I find exactly. interesting was like there... We, we have this interaction of the poor who are segregated in this last car and they were left to live their own, to create their own, uh, economy as it were. Yeah. In, in society and they resorted to cannibalism. They had, they basically fell apart. So then the rich have to come in and provide services to the poor to take care of them by giving them these protein yeah. bars, which we find but, out later are made of cockroaches, but you got to get yeah. protein somewhere. Yeah, exactly. And they made it very apparent that the fall of this, um, we'll just call them back car society, this back car society, uh, their fall was not their fault. They make it very obvious that it was the fault of the rich because the rich refused to give them any supplies. Yeah. They had nothing and they had no way to grow anything. They wouldn't allow them into any other cars. All they had was the machine room in the very, very back. That's it. So the rich made it impossible for the poor to live without reverting to cannibalism. The only reason they even helped them out is because they're basically forced to. So this movie is really pushing out our beliefs in our current economy and our current system here being a capitalism system they're um really bringing like light to the fact that uh people on wel welfare need help yeah they're not looking for handouts they need help surviving and um this movie really shows what some not all some of the one percenters really believe that the uh poor are just a dredge on society and just are uh they can eat themselves for all we care we don't care that's what this literally, movie is trying movie, to great. yeah literally yeah, eat that's what this exactly and that's exactly what this uh movie and this director is trying to get us to see is that the uh separation of wealth is not a small minor thing right now it may not be crazy you're still able to live you're not you know eating people but in the future when supplies are drastically limited and you have no way to get additional supplies that the way that our civilization is now is going to start reverting to these things that they're doing in this movie. Yeah, that's very well put. And I think, yeah, when even when they were left to thrive on their own without the help, without any assistance from the rich, and they were given the opportunity to to create their own uh, society, as it were, they were still controlled by the rich because they yep. were the ones that were preventing services from going to them. They were preventing yep. their e exchange of economy that was happening. And and even though they were being hands-off, they were still blocking their advancement, which, yeah, it's kind of interesting to know. Yeah, and it points out later in the film um, when you see the uh, school uh, scene, the kids are being taught 
about how the other people are not people. They're not the same as them. They're lesser people. They're um, basically just uh, freeloaders that are there to uh, take up their supplies and their food and make it harder on them. These are little kids being taught this. And that's another way that the director is trying to show the inequality that the kids are being raised to hate people. Yeah. Interesting. And then we, we have also this comparison of the kids in the back car. And it's like, I thought it was really powerful when they were trying to get the note out of the protein bars. Basically, that's the way that the the very top, the very front car communicates with the people in the back is by is slipping notes in there. And as later, we'll find out that there was basically spies inside mm-hmm. the the very back of the train. But they send notes in through these protein bars and the they try to get the, the note out of the protein bar, but the kid has it. And they offer him, oh, we'll give you two, three of these protein bars. You can have all the food, basically, from all the, uh, all of us. Just give us the one you have. And uh, mm-hmm. that's not what he wants. He just wants to play with the ball. Because it's, you know, I thought that was a really powerful, powerful moment. And yeah. then we see the ball is just made of, of like old clothes and hair, like tied up in a knot, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and he's having the time of his life playing with it, so. Yeah, because he's enjoying life. And that's just that's another way the director is trying to point out uh, that you don't need money to be happy. Right. Yeah. But then then something else I thought was really powerful that they they touched on. And so um, a few issues that can arise with living on a train indefinitely as human civilization is that there's limited space. Right. Right. Not only is there limited space to grow food and to support your civilization but there's limited space for people to be born right and for your society to grow now if the train creator had this in mind thinking that the civilization is going to live it on indefinitely maybe he would have done something different but he only built the train as something to hold on to civilization while this you know epidemic was happening well one thing that they're coming to find out is that they're running out of space, obviously. And uh, instead of doing something about the upper class, the richer people, what they intend instead did is they went back and they murdered mm-hmm. the lower class people. Yeah. As many as needed to do to be able to hold on to their current uh, way of living, yeah. way of life. It's a delicate balance. It. And mm-hmm. I think that speaks more like globally as well. You know, we're expected to surpass our population um, that Earth can have for its capacity in 2050, and as well yeah. as surpass our ability to create food for people if we continue growing. I mean, just what was it? Just uh, 150 years ago, we had like, I don't know, three, two or three billion people, and now we're at almost eight billion. It's It's grown exponentially well, people make people <laughs> yeah and and uh and i think that kind of speaks to that too but yeah we're it's important to realize too on earth we're in a closed system just like on this train mm-hmm. it's just it's just a more uh literal wider personification shown in the movie and uh yeah we, but we're still on this closed system we still have a limited amount of resources and 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 growth that we can have before things kind of get out of control so i, I kind of like that nod to it and i'm sure it'll all work itself out yeah. we're we living in mars thanks to elon musk in a few years but yeah exactly and the whole uh you know being able to view human life from the beginning to the end on this train is insane the way he set it up it's like human civilization is rolling through the ages yeah it only takes a year for it to cross but i mean dude yeah that is basically human life from the very beginning when they first got on the train to now and how it's progressed during that time the struggles they went through the up and the downs well this and i love this movie was produced on a budget of 40 million dollars so and it's actually important to note that it's a korean produced movie because of uh the director is the one that was able to put it together he he i believe he read it in a book at a library and his production nice. company bought the rights to the book and they it took this process took about 10 years from the film from concept to film and to rewrite the whole script uh, to rewrite the book into a script and everything and uh to this day it's 
the most expensive Korean film ever made. Even though it's Jesus. it's very much presented towards an American audience. Most I'd say probably about uh 90% of the films in English and with English characters. Octavia Spencer's in this from the uh the help. She was in the help. Yeah. Um you know again well, Chris Evans, I mean there's yeah. Uh, one of the characters I really like a lot is uh what's her name? Oh, yeah, I really think it was a film that the director was trying to do or trying to create for the American populace to like wake up. Yeah. You know, it was his like his way to reach out to us and say, hey, guys, the fuck, dude, like wake up, watch my movie, understand what I'm trying to say and make stuff better because you can. <laughs> yeah. Tilda Swin Swindon, she's a really good mm. actress and I didn't even know. She was in this Tilda because Swindon. she had her covered herself up so much that, you know, she looks like an old, older, haggard lady. I I think uh, she was actually, I read that she was modeling her character after Margaret oh, Thatcher. Oh, wow. Yeah, she was the enforcer. She was like the number two. And yeah. uh, you don't even know that it's her. She's such a good actress. Uh, she, yeah, I might dare say, even outshines Chris Evans. Oh my god, she looks completely different. Yeah. Holy shit. And a lot of her character was modeled after Dr. King Water. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, Leia is not about the quietness. Yeah. Anyway, she's a good actor. She marketed, marketed herself up. She picked her character based off of Margaret Thatcher. So she had this nice. like, English kind of vibe coming, but I didn't even recognize that was her in the movie. She's such a good actress. And uh, so anyways, yep. Yeah. As we continue on, we we create they create like this revolt to take over the front of the train. Now I don't really know what they feel like they're going to accomplish by getting to the front of the car and controlling the train because you, everything's still frozen outside, so there's no point in going outside, right? So yeah, I think they're just trying to like change their stars because yeah. none of them have ever seen past their car, so they have no idea whether or not they're you know is everybody eating these power bars that they're getting or like is there a better life on the other side so it it i i completely understand why they decide to revolt and i completely get it man like if i was there in their position i would have totally done the same thing it may have been futile i yeah. most likely would have died there's no point but... i mean there's no point in taking it's it's i guess if anything it's just symbolic to i don't know it's mm -hmm. a trade of it's it's just a, it's better to a silly do something concept than of, of having power when really, yeah. I mean, it doesn't really matter who has the power because as we find out, the guy in the front wasn't really, I mean, aside from controlling the population, which it seemed almost mm -hmm. necessary, I can understand the, the concept and it's almost necessary to keep your, your train going and to keep that environment yeah. healthy, uh, there, he doesn't really do anything else. It's everyone, the... the this is the power concept of power is just really in their minds. It's not yeah. anything important. Yeah. It's in their minds, but on also the, the poor in the back, the back people, whatever I was going to name them, whatever I refer to them as, um, I think you call they them have the butt nothing. train, the, the butt train, the butt, group, yeah. whatever <laughs> they, uh, they have nothing, man. Like they need something. They have to think, that there is something better than where they're living or else there's no reason to live. Right. It's the grass is greener on the other side concept. I get yeah, it. They, yeah, but they it's never greener on the other side. And there's always something no, greener. No, it's never. It's never greener. And just to point out, it doesn't matter how much money you have. The more you make, the more bills you get. <laughs> yeah. It's the same, you still just have the same problems. People. Hang on. Exactly. Everybody has the same problems. It doesn't matter if you... Make a million dollars a year if you make freaking $20,000 a year. You have the same problems. Yes, it's a lot easier for them to make bills. Doesn't take away from the fact that they have their own issues. And that's what this group, they weren't seeing that. They're only like, you know what? We need to get out of here. We need to, you know, take over this train so we can be the front people and they'll be the back people. Yeah. It's like they didn't understand what the train was or how long it was which makes sense because they've only Grew been in, in the very back yeah, they don't know anything else of the rest of the world yeah i mean chris evans was brought on board when uh he said everything just happened he was young 17 six, five, six. out in the world and 17 on the train okay so he was 17 
either way, he's been on the train for so long, he doesn't know any different. Yeah. There's a lot of kids that have been born and raised on the train. There's people that were revolting that were brought on the train as kids that literally don't know the outside world. And all they know is that they're born into an awful situation. They eat these terrible foods and barely any of it. They have nowhere to really sleep or live. And they think or they know that on the other side of that door is a better life. Presumably. Presumably. Well, that's what they know. You know? Yeah. No. Quote, Quote, unquote. (laughs) Sorry, I thought it was video. One of the things (laughs) cinematically that I like that the director chose is that he keeps only one side of uh, the train to be filmed on. So that way, Mm -hmm. the characters, as they're making the revolution and pushing forward on the train... They're always going from left to right on screen, which kind of symbolizes always. this progression that they're making. And um, and also, you know, it keeps continuity. But the real important part is, 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 is it's creating this, this progress forward. So mm-hmm. uh, as they start doing this revolt, they start taking over certain parts of the train. And actually, yeah, we're talking about pres- the presumption of power and the first things that they take over is the water tanks on the train but they're like Mm -hmm. the rich people are like dude who who gives a shit because we get water from the front of the this water comes from the front of the train when it pierces through the snow it sucks the water and and that's how we get you know it gets filtered and comes out here so we still have access to the water even though you think you have the power now but because originally it was just like let's just take over the water train and then now we have room to negotiate for, you know, yeah. moving forward. But really, it was just that perception and, and they don't really have it. One of the things that I liked, uh, again, visual visual style is uh, visual style. What is it? <laughs> Visually <laughs> symbolic. What I like. Oh, yes, Mr. Film Aficionado. <laughs> tell me more. We're, we've got a professional rig here that we're trying to do. Yeah, Mr. Mr. Guy over here. Real, <laughs> this is really encouraging yeah. people to listen, right? <laughs> <laughs> Let me go get my $3,000 bottle of champagne. <laughs> that would be delicious mm. right now. <laughs> Visually symbolic, I liked, is when we move on to the part of the train where the as the doors open, there's all these goon for lack of a better word they're they're goon yeah a whole bunch of guys goons and they're all wearing ski masks but did you notice that there's a hole for the mouth but not for the eyes i did not notice and it's like how the fuck are you gonna see right so (laughs) okay what i thought was interesting about that is it's like the the front of the train kind of represents the government and and Mm -hmm. because they're the ones that have control so it's it's like uh the fighters they're closing their eyes to the moral uh i don't know it, the unethical uh act that they're about to do which is which is preserving yeah. preserving the rich basically and 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 killing the poor and and yeah. just so that the rich can maintain their status so it's kind of like an ethical blindness just to mm-hmm. to blindly follow the the lead of the government really and uh but i thought it was really interesting how they yeah they they're able to speak but they don't have eyes with this mask yeah that's that's a proverbial blinding to the violence they're about to commit (laughs) Mm -hmm. that's really cool i i didn't even notice that before but that is really really cool yeah and then so then as they but then we have this change here because as they start fighting we go Mm -hmm. into a tunnel and it's pitched black. And before they go into the tunnel, they put oh my god, that is one night vision binoculars on fucking fight scene ever. Yeah, yeah, it's awesome. And so then, yeah, they they pull down their uh their night vi- uh night vision uh, night vision yeah. goggles and turn them on. And then we go into a tunnel, and it gets completely dark. And uh, then they basically start massacring the people. But so, I guess the moral is that they. It's only a, a ethical, a proverbial blindness, but they really can see. They really yeah. know what they're doing. They know the decisions that they're making and the stance that they're taking. Hey, that rhymed. Yeah. And they're <laughs> they're purposely making those decisions and taking those stances. And 
they probably think it's perfectly fine, perfectly normal, just their police upholding the law type of thing, when in fact they're not. Yeah. And they're literally going against everything law enforcement really believes. Yeah. Yeah, it's really interesting. Um, just, it, yeah, it's... I just, this movie is so deep, man. I get why it took a decade. I really do. <laughs> and for you guys who don't know that, even movies that are brought to studios' attentions that have a completed script take years yeah. to get created. It's not one of those like, oh, cool, I have a script. Oh, cool, let's go get some people and shoot this shit. No, man. Yeah. <laughs> it takes forever. Nah, man. <laughs> nah, man. <laughs> it takes forever for you to secure funding. All right. So you can get a studio on board. Like, yeah, let's do it. Doesn't mean it's going to get shot. You got to get somebody to pay for this. Right. And all these people are like, oh, we don't need to give tax breaks to millionaires and blah, blah, blah. Okay. Let me get into this real quick. (laughs) Film incentives are some of the best things to happen to a state if they are done correctly. If they are not done correctly, it'll just be like Florida's last film. Uh, incentives that lost them billions of dollars however the way they restructured it this new film incentive is going to make the state so much money but anyways 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 Anyways, (laughs) you have to secure funding all right then you got to get uh your production people on board you got to get your producers on board and they have to start getting everything rolling they got to start getting uh rewriters maybe for the script maybe adjust that script to be a little bit more liking to what their you know audience study says right yeah. hello marvel hello what's that vampire oh God, movie don't say brie larson 2000s. <laughs> oh f- hello brie larson you know i just found out she was in a movie i'm just saying the only reason she got anyways she was in uh <laughs> scott pilgrim versus the world i just watched that the other night and i saw her yes. in it and i was like oh god i'm gonna have to tell you about that <laughs> yes 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 anyways yes <laughs> she 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 is a talented actress yes she is and by talented i mean she's pretty where are we at we're on a train <laughs> okay um anyways beautiful so after you get your producers right you got to get your they got to get the crew together they got to get the director on board they got to get the dp on board they got to get the gaffer on board got to get the key grip on board the lighting people the or not the lighting people i'm sorry the uh locations people right and then those key people talk together and they get everything rolling and they figure out the direction. You know, the director figures out where he wants to take this film and what mood he wants to bring in. Right. And then it's up to the DP and the gaffer and the key group to make that shit happen. This takes years, my man. Yeah. Years. Like I'm an electrician, sometimes a best boy electric. I'm brought on at max a month to a month and a half before production max so i can get everything that we need get ordered correctly make sure that we get it from the rental house properly well go to the rental house make sure they're giving us what we ordered make sure everything's in working order you know things like that then we bring it to set and then we shoot for anywhere from three weeks to three months depending on the production if it's a feature Mm -hmm. if it's a tv show what what we're doing right this all takes time all takes time. You're sitting in front of your TV. Every week a new episode comes on. You're like, oh, that's cool. That's cool. That's a year in the yeah, making. Each totally. one of those episodes is a month. Yeah. It takes a week to two weeks to shoot it. It takes another week to two weeks to edit it. And then it has to go up to get approved by the director and the head editor. They say, nah, man, that ain't good. <laughs> we want this here, this here, this here. Goes back, gets re-edited, comes back up, and the director's like, dope, bro. Dope, bro. I like it. <laughs> I like publish. it. Air that it's shit. that published. Then it goes up to the freaking, goes up to the producers. The producers have the final say. Like, okay, yeah, whatever. I don't know nothing. I'm a money man. And then it goes out. That's why it's so much easier just to make YouTube videos. <laughs> so much easier. Oh my lord! But that's what's involved in making a movie. So much time, so much effort. The fact they spent a decade really getting this yeah. movie exactly the way the director slash producer i'm pretty sure wanted it dude hands down uh, yeah just like video games i'd rather you guys take your time and make a quality product and then push out scary movie (laughs) (laughs) too well one of the ways that they made 
this movie was oh. they actually used the train cabooses connected together and they put them all on articulating uh compression system uh piston system so that they could emulate that the way the train moves so when we have these long corridor shots and you see the train cabooses moving behind them it's it's all it's all done on uh, pistons basically on a long track that they filmed it on over in uh, Prague I believe is where they filmed it and you're right this yeah. one did take uh, over 70 days to film uh, so quite yeah. long over three months uh, 30 60 90 well, less than three months but still quite a long time especially when you're shooting in Prague in the middle of the snow but uh <laughs> yeah and you you want to know a interesting little fact I just uh, realized what's that this one man put more time, effort, and love into this movie than everybody at Marvel for Captain Marvel. <laughs> everybody. Oh, <no>. Combined. <laughs> including the actress. We got a rant alert. You suck. <laughs> <laughs> just saying. Just saying. Just throwing it out there. Just pushing my two cents. And it's still <laughs> technically related because it's still part of the Marvel Universe where Captain America resides. Who's in this movie. Captain America. Okay. King. My bet. Brie Larson. Not so much. My bet on this movie was when they were going to make it into the very first car. I I I put money on that there was going to be nobody in there. I thought the main dude Wilford. Oh, snap. I thought he was going to be long dead. dead. Yeah, because like, isn't that like the ideal version That's, of a government? Yeah, yeah. Is that we think that it's all powerful? Like, take a CIA for example. Big Brother. They're supposed to know everything, and they're always watching us. But really, that's the perception they want us to believe. And they're oh, just yeah. normal guys doing their job nine to five, just like we do. Mm -hmm. They don't know everything. They don't, they're not omnipotent. They don't have the, the power that we perceive them to have. It's just an illusion, as it were. Yeah. And that's why domestic terrorism happens every day is because they don't have as much control they as they watch think. everybody. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, no, that would have been great seeing something uh, like Big Brother. Where you come in and the leader is just some computer program that, you know, uh, what's her name? Tilda Swinton yeah. created because her lover, the freaking owner, died. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I thought he would be long dead. But uh, no, yeah. he was still he was still in there and played a pivotal role in that. And what I don't know, the ending. Did everybody die in the ending? I, I know this is a spoiler, but but OK, so they blow up the train. And uh, yeah, they blow up the train. They stop it. There's just two but, people that get out. Yeah. And they don't instantly die. Yeah. And it's and it's obviously not. So one of the perceptions that the security guy had made, uh, he was like cryogenically frozen or something like that. And they pulled him out mm -hmm. and they use him to get through all the security gates and the doors that separate the cars. And uh he eventually blows up one of the doors to bring up the outside world. He saw that every year that this plane below a bridge on the train uh, was getting less was and less falling. covered by the snow. Um, so he was yeah, saying that that's what it, it was, was melting so that the temperatures had gone down enough that it's you know able to survive for humanity. Yeah. And by able to survive, we're talking about Antarctica weather yeah. people, not not California or Florida. <laughs> Well, in California, if it's, you know, 62, we're all wearing big snow jackets. And everything. And yeah, Florida, it got down to 40 degrees. I was not prepared. No. I was not prepared. I was shivering. You were probably still in flip-flops. I didn't know what was going on, man. <laughs> like, I had a, I had an undercoat on, or I had a regular shirt on. I had my ugly sweater from Christmas on. <laughs> I had my fluffy coat on, and I had a rain jacket. And I was still cold. I had no... And my body was like, you're still wearing you're shorts underneath <laughs> <laughs> all that. Um, Always. <laughs> what last last thing about the my last observation that I noticed about the Wilford character, which is supposed to be a god, basically represented by the upper society. Mm -hmm. What I liked was that there's this contrasting uh, opposition about him about his favor basically so some people towards the front of the train thought of him as a savior a godlike being while everybody in the back hated him 
So it's like mm-hmm. this, it, it, it matches government so well, you know, like especially right now we're very bipartisan. Everything is either Republican or Democrat. And God forbid you tell somebody mm-hmm. Republican because that means you, you're associated with uh, whoever's in office right now. And then you think they think that you're uh, a baffling idiot, just like our. Oh, God, <laughs> God forbid you say you're Republican and you're white. Yeah. <laughs> oh, dear Lord. Welcome to being freaking a Nazi no. sympathizer and uh <laughs> being a Mexican and being a, a Republican oh, God. is also tough because oh. then it's like, you know, do you know what your president thinks about you? It's like, oh God, you don't have to like the president just because you're a, a political party, right? It's like, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I, I consider myself a logical Republican because I can think for myself. I don't follow what everybody, the the party tells you to follow and what they do. I have my own opinions. Yeah. And uh, exactly. I consider myself a light Republican because when was the last time you ever agreed with every single thing another person? Exactly. You can't like I'm I'm sorry, but be totally on one side or the other. You you, you can understand and sympathize with other people's ideas. That doesn't necessarily mean that you have to agree with them. Exactly. Like I like some things that the last president did. I dislike other things. I like some things. That this president does, I dislike other things. Yeah, I think his Twitter should be taken away, but that's a different account. <laughs> yeah, and you people don't say Obama was useless, but uh, you know we can go to Cuba now because of him. <laughs> that's, that's exactly. Like, I haven't been, but I want to go. I want to see those fifties cars. Benefits, right? <laughs> oh yeah, but like this movie really does a good job at opening our eyes to issues that we don't like talking. I'm sorry, when was the last time you wanted to talk about, hey, inequality is murdering us, but there's ways to fix that. Like, eh, I don't think so. Like, nobody's just going to invite someone of a different class to come live with them in today's society. But that's what this movie, that's what pretty much all his movies are really trying to say. Like, hey, the classes is bullshit. Yeah. It's fake. Well, okay. It's something that you put up. That's, that's like... what the ending means, basically. We've we've broken down the segregation and just laid it all to ruins and tore the mm-hmm. whole machine apart. And he's leave a room, leaving room for them to start over and build the new. Yeah. But they, yeah, that, that actually that makes sense. Now that's that's exactly what he's trying to say by that ending. Because I was a little perplexed by it, and uh, I was also more pissed off that they had gone out and what seems like the bottom of a valley where the only way out is to climb these mountains. And I'm like, dude, you got a five-year-old and a 17-year-old and they got to climb this fucking mountain. That kind of sucks. Like you're going to be living at that train for quite a while. So, uh, but yeah, a long that's minute. basically what he's doing. He's saying we need to break down these, these different uh, social norms. Thank you. And do something new. Yeah. And that's, that's exactly what this, this movie is trying to point out from the very beginning is that social norms are bullshit. For instance, the whole uh, issue with having too many people, he could easily have solved that if he had the two classes working together, you know, implemented a maximum child thing, implemented some sort of lottery for who can have kids that both classes had to abide to. Easily have solved it. He didn't have to murder out of cold blood, innocent men, women, and children. To get that done. Or condoms. But he was so closed. Yeah, or condoms, <laughs> right? But he was so closed-minded in what he wanted to do that he had to keep the back separated from the front. That the upper class is just so much better than the lower class that the whole idea of not murdering and eating people yeah. never even came into his head. Yeah. And that's what this director is trying to show us that our simple-mindedness is going to be our downfall. is going to get us killed in the end just like it did this guy. And how awesome is his drawer set up inside of his front train? Like, he's got everything in there. <laughs> yeah. He pulls it open. There's a kitchen. He pulls another one open. He starts pulling out, like, clo- hey, he has... tablecloths. And then he pulls another one open, and a fucking kid comes out of it. It's like, what the hell? Yeah. What's going on back there? He has the coolest fucking train car in the world. And it's just him, and nobody else gets going. Yeah. <laughs> Behind a vault of door. Yeah. Oh, and if we haven't said it yet, he murdered... The people in the back, right? Are already I've said that multiple times, but he actually is the one that stages the whole the revolution. revolt. Yeah. yeah, it's his reason because he's like, you know what? I'm going to get the people that want to uh, revolt to come up here, get murdered, 
right? Talk to the one guy out of the group of 20 or 30 that came up that I want to talk to. Everybody else would die. I'll take care of a lot of my um, space issue. Yeah. I can still murder people in the back. No problem. No uh, sweat off my brow. They're lesser human beings. I think you wanted 70 and, something percent of them to die. And that was the way that they were yeah. able to do it is through that revolution. Yep. They killed uh, the 30 and then they went in and uh, there's only women and children in the back at the time. And they killed the rest or they killed the amount of women and children equal to 70% of the total population. Yeah. And again, so they had to kill a handful. I forgot how much now. Another perception of power from your government is that they were enforcing their keeping, they were keeping everybody in the back with the use of guns. And it turns out they didn't have any bullets. <laughs> they ran out of bullets yeah. the whole time until they get towards the front of the train. And then we, we see that they have bullets again. But I, I think really that was the part that he had staged. He wanted them to take certain parts of the train over and stop at a certain point. So once it got to the certain point, it's kind of like breaking a presidential barrier. Then like the, you know, the levels of yeah. security start to bump up. So they probably did run out of bullets, but they were yeah. saving what they had left to protect the everybody in the front. Yeah, and that makes sense cuz he didn't want the revolution to succeed. He just wanted the one guy yeah. to get up to his car. That's it. He didn't want the group to be able to take over yeah. the train. No, he wanted everybody to die on the way over. He just wanted the one guy to survive. To take over. So right? the best way to do that is like a twisted Willy give... Wonka <laughs> factory. Exactly. Now. And the best way to do that is to sacrifice your minions. Because all those security guards are just minions to this guy. Sacrifice your minions. Don't give them any way to defend themselves. Tell them to attack these guys who are coming to murder and rape your children. And have at it. Yeah. Right? And that's exactly what happened. And it's so crazy to think, man. If things were just a little bit different. If people's minds were just a little bit more open and less closed. They could have had a long lasting paradise indefinitely on that Totally. For all of human civilization. Yeah. Well, uh, that's it. Netflix. Check it out. Snowpiercer. Yep, on Bong Jong Ho. He's a name worth yeah, and remembering and watching all his movies. Absolutely. If you guys haven't noticed by now, we love symbolism. Well, he loves it a lot more than love I it. do. But I'm trying to get more into it. I'm reading up on it a little bit more, trying to notice Wait, some the things. symbolic but way to say movie, I love it is heart. Just heart symbol. Heart. Just a symbol. Hashtag heart. heart. <laughs> but uh, we love this movie. This movie is amazing. It's well worth your time. Um, it's not a traditional post-apocalyptic, you know. Zombie thriller. Uh, zombie thing. Like, oh, I'm going to watch this movie. It's, you know, we, let's, let's get some popcorn and, like, watch people die. <laughs> no, it's not one of those movies. It's really one of those movies that you got to think. Yeah. Right? You don't want to you don't want to come into this movie with a closed mind or thinking that you're going to be able to sleep through it because if you do it's kind of boring. But if you really sit down and you watch it and you ingest what it says and you really take in everything and just take in I know same word people don't know that. But if you really just take in everything that this movie pushes out then it's going to be a really enjoyable time, especially if you do it with family. Yeah. Yeah, so and I think the next uh, couple episodes we're just trying to keep it on something that's more manageable um something that's easier to access so the netflix series is really what we're mm -hmm. trying to explore right now because there is a lot of hidden gems on netflix oh absolutely and uh so many good movies yeah i mean it's in in speed racer <laughs> it's on netflix uh train, um, train sure. to busan it is one of the ones we feature too it is on netflix as well and i, I watched that one recently yes Train to Busan is on Netflix. Man, they have some good movies on Netflix. And they've got some really good TV shows, you guys, into that sort of thing. Yeah, well... No Rick and Morty, but still. Check it out, guys. <laughs> uh, thank you so much for listening to Uncovered Cinema. Um, Absolutely. We are... If you haven't noticed, we're going to be start pushing out weekly episodes. That was always the intent. We were just trying to get a whole bunch of content out there. Uh, so take a look at the beginning of the week when uh, we're going to have episodes kicking out. And uh, yep. if you miss us throughout the rest of the week, you can check out our Facebook at, at Uncovered Cinema on Facebook, uh, where we do live streams once a week. We are still kind of in the beta process right now of trying to get that fixed, uh, because currently we can just see my face. But soon, uh, Will's going to be coming into the picture, 
and and I'm so pretty. Yes, yeah, he's he's ready for his <laughs> his 15 minutes of fame. Ooh, <laughs> so, I can't wait. Oh man. Oh oh shuckles. <laughs> well, check us out on Facebook. Is where you're going to get your your content from us. Uh, thank you so much, and listen Absolutely. to us uh, next week. Yeah, and if you guys have any questions about how to get into the film union, how to uh, start your career in the film industry, or just any questions in general about film or any technology wise, just drop us a line on our Facebook page. We'll be more than happy to answer them for you. We'll be more than happy to even make an episode if it's a highly requested enough topic. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, uh, that's it. I'll see you next week. (laughs) Yep. Have a good one, guys.